Cook's house. All right. So we knew we we're going to lose Marcus Sasser in the NBA draft. We probably could have guessed we we're going to lose Jarrett Walker in the NBA draft. But now what's going on? You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs today, the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Answers, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. Uh, remember, when we get to 1,000 subscribers, I'm giving something away. The faster we get there, the better it is. We're approaching 900 these days. Oh, we've been hovering at that 880-ish range. So make sure you hit subscribe to get us there so we can get there and give you guys away something. If you want to enter the contest, be liking and commenting on the videos. If after hearing about guards shifting places and moving around like chess pieces today in the episode, you don't want to talk about that anymore. Tell us, what do you think is uh, your favorite piece on the chessboard? I know some people like are more rook people. Some people are more knight people. Um, I tend to be more of a bishop person myself. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk about a couple of guys that kind of made lower key headlines and looking at the NBA draft a little bit on the Houston Cougars. Um, in the first segment, we'll talk some about a brand new story on Jamal Shedd, breaking out that he is going to go test the waters a little bit. In the second segment, we'll talk some about Shimon Mark and if that is also what he's going to do. And then the third segment, we're going to little bit, look a little bit at the transfer portal at more of a surface level and say, okay, if they both were to leave, what would happen? So first, let's talk some about Jamal Shedd. Now, I should mention that Jamal Shedd is like the engine to the team, right? Randy Bennett called him the head of the snake. Um, the Athletic wrote a report uh, heading into the American Athletic Conference Tournament, I believe, about how like Marcus Smart was the best player, but it was Jamal Shedd's team. We heard Kelvin Sampson say as much earlier this season that like Jamal Shedd is the guy. 6'1 kid uh, from Central Texas, just outside of Austin, small high, uh, high school called Maynard. Um, and he has been a consistent two-year, more or less, full-time starter for the Cougs um, after not playing a whole lot his freshman season. Um, he is just about a 10 points per game kind of guy, but the real thing I think people are intrigued by him is the assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, he had a rough last month of basketball, but even with a rough last month with bad knees and stuff like that factored in, um, it wasn't even a full month. I guess it was really a couple games in said month. His assist turnover ratio on the season was five and a half assists to 2.2 turnovers. Um, there were games where he'd have seven or nine assists and one or two turnovers. Really, really impressive guy with dishing the basketball out. Um, obviously, like when his knees were not quite healthy down the stretch, the hyperextensions and tendonitis and things like that that we heard reported, those things kind of flopped a little bit. I think his most impressive offensive uh, skill, though, was running what I call HB dive, where he just, you know, full speed dive ahead, maybe off a screen, maybe off a hesitation dribble, and just goes full speed at the basket and makes the defense do something. He's frequently on a court of very, very fast basketball players, the fastest player in the gym. And on Tuesday, John Shepovic, I'm going to say that name correctly, I promise, John Shepovic, yeah, say that right? Tell me if, if not, tell me how phonet phonetically pronounce it down below. Clearly I'm having problems. Um, a guy that works for draftexpress.com um, said that he heard from Shed himself 
that he was going to test the 2023 draft water. If I, I'll just read the tweet. Houston's Jamal Shedd will test 2023 NBA draft waters. He tells me, John Shep, uh, consummate floor general, leader, and two-way backcourt engine of one of the best teams in the country, AAC depoy, and back-to-back assist leader, smart, trustworthy passer, decision maker, a coach's dream. Now, I agree with a lot of the assessment there, and I think it's interesting that it, this is entirely prefaced on testing said waters um we saw marcus sasser do this a year ago when sasser projected to be a late first early second round pick he got a diagnosis of things to work on some things like he can improve his game on came back to college uh proved that he was still healthy proved that you know he was foot was all better etc and then went on to have a great senior season there's a world that works out exactly like this for jamal shed what i think is interesting it well is really a couple things one, um, Marcus Sasser, you could argue, only improved his draft stock slightly, if at all, right? Um, so Sasser came back, and he might have moved up a few spots, but in like the same, as far as like where he's picked in the draft, it's that same range. So there's a chance he falls into the early second round and doesn't get guaranteed money, or he's a late first-round kind of guy. Um, at no point, this I mean, he's always been in that range this whole season. Jamal Shedd, and I'm going to look at the same thing, but if you look at like his pre- projection right now, a lot of places don't have him listed as being drafted. In fact, I saw one place have him as a late second or undrafted kind of guy. And that was the only place that was NBA scouting live.com that had him listed as anywhere in the 60 draft picks in the NBA draft. In part, this is because there are just 60 picks in the NBA draft. And it's obviously really, really hard to like make, there's only 60 spots, right? But also I wonder if part of it is um, just, kind of what he does as a college basketball player and translating that to the next level. Again, Shed is 6'1", 190, tough, hard-nosed defender, a coach's dream every sense of the word. However, at 6'1", you got to find ways to get your shot off in the NBA. And honestly, if I'm projecting here, and this is me guessing what his diagnosis will be, he's got to have a counter when he can't run HB dive, right? When he is going hard right or going hard left at the basket – and the defender catches up, the defender is trailing behind a swat off the backboard, or help rotates over, he needs something that's a counter to that burst of speed, right? Whether it's a stop and step back, roll away, falling back over his shoulder, or behind the back crossover to get to switch directions on the guys helping out, whatever the options are, he's a straight line speed and aggression kind of guy that needs something to counter that at the next level. He's not a consistent enough three-point shooter to be a catch-and-shoot point guard either if you were pairing with a big traditional two-guard. Like, if you were to put him with a Harden or Luka or one of those big, like, creators that's not a point guard, but, like, 6'5", six, 6'7", six, whatever, he's not. He's a 31% three-point shooter. He's not strong enough in the catch-and-shoot game yet to prove that he can do that. So I'd imagine the diagnosis is work on the catch-and-shoot game and, um, you know, work on a counter move off of that drive kind of stuff. I think the nice thing for Jamal Shedd is those are things you can work on. I think the unfortunate thing about Jamal Shedd is the other part of that draft grade, wherever they give him, will be like, you know, there's only so high you can take a 6-1-190 defensive-minded point guard in the NBA draft. Um, those guys typically do go undrafted and then have to work their way up the ranks somehow. So I hear, I think that after hearing about him uh, – going to the NBA draft to test the waters. And I think, well, at least it doesn't feel like he's necessarily going off and leaving the Houston Cougars. The The transition to the Big 12 is going to be really, really important for this team to have a veteran like Shed himself, 
um, frankly, and transitioning and losing the scoring of both Marcus Sasser and Jairus Walker, having Jamal Shedd around to kind of run the offense and actions will be important as well. On the whole, it's hard to imagine a successful 23-24 season with such a young backcourt and no Jamal Shedd, right? And so I say that to say that um, I want him to hear the best news possible. If he hears something about like getting really drafted really high because of Houston's success this season, I, I guess he ought to take it. But truthfully, I hear this and I think he's going to go get a list of bullet points to work on in the offseason and then next season. And I hope he does those obviously in a Houston Cougar uniform and not in a G League uniform somewhere. Now, he's not the only guy that Houston is worried about potentially doing this next season. But before we dive into another guy that's potentially testing those waters, let's talk some about FanDuel because the tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet that you can wager everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Right now, they have the March Madness odds. Uh, the final four odds are still the same as they were last time we talked. Uh, they still have Connecticut over Miami by five and a half and San Diego State over Florida Atlantic by one and a half. And I'm telling you to take the South Florida schools at least to keep it close from that in both. I do think Florida Atlantic has a real chance to win this game. I also think it's worth pointing out that fans of Miami will be cheering for FAU in the gym and fans of FAU will be cheering for Miami in the gym. There's a real crossover and marketplace there. Um, Frankly, there's a lot of t-shirt Miami fans that went to FAU and there's a lot of Miami fans that'll like feel like they want to see, you know, the FAU in the final because that's like, you know, South Florida, South Florida kind of thing. Um, school separated by 45 minutes, real, real fun storyline there if you're a South Florida person. Anyway, I think this will feel more like they have doubled the fans for whoever shows up to this game. And long way to say that I think we both know that Miami keeps things close than spreads are or than the spreads have been. Um, Miami continues to impress and break the spread, even though the spread continues to be against them. I'm telling you to do it at FanDuel.com. So don't miss your shot to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 and you enjoy FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make everyone more with FanDuel. All right. So I said there's one other guy and um, – one of the guys that Houston and I are worried about potentially going to the NBA draft a little bit early. And to be fair, it's really that Tremont Mark has not said anything about next season. He's a little cryptic in his post-game uh, comments. I should point out that uh, Chris Baldwin of the Paper City Magazine had the report first. But um, he said when asked about returning to University of Houston in his future in the post-game aspect of uh, Miami, like everyone's upset or whatever. He said, I don't really want to talk about that right now. Um, and I, I have to admit, that's not a yes, <laughs> right? That's that's not a very discernible yes or very, like, uh, we'll say, happy answer. Uh, now, I, I understand being disappointed in the loss to Miami, and I do think Tremont Mark being kind of the third option to run the offense in a lot of ways – probably did feel like left behind at times in the 2020 uh, 223 campaign. 
Um, and we saw that when given the rock and given room to operate in isolation, in the Auburn game, he can spark a legitimate double digit comeback just by being a great isolation player. Right. But I also feel like weirdly, it might make more sense for him, the third guard option on Houston's roster last year to test the NBA waters more than Jamal shed. He's listed at six, five, Listed at 180 pounds, he is a long-armed kid. Um, he is a slightly better three-point shooter, where Jamal Shedd shooting just over 30%. Tremont Mark is shooting just under 33%. Um, roughly the same amount of attempts per game. We saw what he does in attacking the mid-range, and say what you want about mid-range warriors and those kinds of stuff as far as attacking the basket goes. It, he, Tremont Mark had a bunch of moves to get there. He had counters and plays and like he could get to his left hand pull up from that like 10 to 16 17 foot range kind of whenever he wanted unless you put someone like six seven on him now admittedly in the NBA he would run into more of the six seven guys than he would in college basketball however you have to think that just by happenstance being six five helps him out in a way in this too he's not the defender that Jamal Shedd is it's not that he's a bad defender Jamal Shedd was just the best defensive player in the American Athletic Conference last year, right? Um, but Shimon Mark may actually have a better shot here and making it to the NBA. The other thing I think is interesting about Shimon Mark is there's going to be intrigue about, so his freshman year, he played, I guess, in like almost every game, but not a whole lot of minutes, right? Um, I think by the end of the season, when Houston makes that final four run in 2021, um, he's getting closer to you know 22 minutes a game. I think his season average is more like 20 because it pulled up so much as the season went on. Um, but he was very much a key role player off the bench in that season, right? His sophomore season gets taken away from him because of an injury. So really, when you count COVID year and sophomore season, he played seven, yeah, seven games. Um, I, it's worth pointing out that like 2022-23, as far as like, his uh, his uh, eligibility goes was technically a sophomore year, but with the COVID year, he had a fit. Like a lot of ways, he could have three more years of basketball left if he gets a full medical redshirt on that injury year. And so, you could argue he has a lot of time to improve his game at Houston. Then someone else going to be like, "Well, he could be making money in the G League that you won't see at Houston," and so on and so forth. I think his NIL money would make up more than a few ten day uh, G League contracts. But I digress. Um, it's just interesting to hear him say that he was the butt of a lot of criticism at Houston this season, kind of unfairly because people point out that like when you have Jarris and Marcus and shed, you're like, who else could it be? And then it was Tremont Mark and Juwan Roberts kind of took a, like they were the spots that were most easily improved uh, over the course of the season. So I guess I could also see why he could be upset about those kinds of things from the whole. I would think that for a guy that again, most places have as a late second round, if drafted at all kind of prospect right now, um, the best thing for him to do would be to play off the name recognition from the Auburn game in the round of 32, come back and be a veteran leader on the floor for Houston next season. As Houston moves into the big 12, if he were to transfer out, I don't think he's transferring out by his commentary at all. Um, but if he were to do that and hit the portal and do whatnot, it's hard to imagine that he'd get a lot better power five look than a big 12 school and Houston's going to be a Big 12 school that he's already slotted in as a starter for next season, right? Now, I will say that this is a lot of reading between the lines, and I love Chris Baldwin's work. I would encourage you to go read all of it whenever he writes anything about the Houston Cougar basketball uh, program 
at Paper City. However, this is all reading between the lines because he was non-committed on the post game, and this Instagram story had a little salute emoji on the side after the game, right? Now, there's a lot of people that could be reading that as like, he's out, like he's leaving Houston. A lot of people could be reading that like, the season's over. I think both options are realistically plausible. And again, we know that Houston's bringing in uh, Cordell from uh, what's from Arlington Martin, right? Big big time recruited guard for next season. We know Terrence Arsenal and Manuel Sharp are going to continue to grow and develop. We hope to see Ramon, uh, Ramon Walker back on the floor, working through whatever he worked through this past season. And then I am firmly in the camp that Jamal Shedd comes back after hearing what he's work on and they make combine kind of stuff. So suddenly, right, Tremont Mark is leading is leading a talented group of young guards in more of a two guard type of role because Terrence can be more of a three. Um, frankly, Emmanuel may end up being more of a one sometimes. Cordell is a combo wing kind of guy. Like suddenly you've got spots, right? Um, and I just don't know that this is the best move for him. Now, again, unlike Shed, I do think there is a natural fit for him because he is a 6'5 wing, because he is a 6'5 guard, and because he can probably slot it on some teams as a two guard um, to make it to the NBA. I, I, I don't know that it's next fall or next winter, I should say, but I, I do think that he has the, the stuff to get there. I just don't see... I think I think the reading between the lines is just overblown. I think the most he does is goes and tests the water at the NBA Combine. And frankly, with both Shed and Mark, before I move on, they should. And Kelvin Sampson points out that after his time in the NBA, he'd encourage everybody to do the same, right? Sometimes you saw like Armani Brooks go do that from Houston, and he just stayed in the draft. And that may have been a bad decision for him in the long term because he's kind of been a G League guy the whole time. On the other hand, he's made money playing basketball for several years, several years now, right? So I don't, I don't know... Um, I don't know what I would do if I Tremont Mark, but I know that advice and common wisdom would say to do it because as long as you re- maintain your eligibility and remain like able to come back to University of Houston, then theoretically, all you're doing is working out for pros, making sure they know your name and getting told what to work on. Right. Um, we know that Samson and Qantas and those guys work the Dickens out of these, not Dickinson being where Jamon Mark went high school. Um, they work the Dickens out of these kids when they come back in the summertime, right? They have two summer sessions that Samson always talks about is like, we have four weeks here and four weeks here and all those kind of things, right? Um, they work their butts off during those sessions to improve their game. That's why you like look at like the kind of shape Mark Sasser went at the start of his freshman year, kind of shape Mark Sasser's in to play through injury this season, right? Like that's not an accident. That's clearly dedicated hard work. You saw like a lot of the same like floater type moves out of uh, Jawan Roberts and Jairus Walker, Walker hitting them at a much younger, as a much younger player was impressive, but they're clearly moves they'd worked on over the summertime working together too, right? Um, I think that's to say that Tremont Mark will likely put in the work this summer to continue to work on his game and this kind of thing. So they just give him that list of things to work on. And I really do think that's all this move is. But if it's not, I did take a moment to look at the transfer portal and see what kind of guys Houston could be pulling in. So let's get to some of those guys. Um, first, I want to say that as the tournament has continued like chip away at different rounds, you'll see more and more guys enter the transfer portal. Um, you see more and more guys enter the transfer portal each and every day because it technically opened the day after selection Sunday to let everyone not in the NCAA tournament go ahead and throw their name in. 
right? Um, the other thing I want to say is that there's one guard that I don't know. I, there's two guards. Okay, there's two guards that are big name guards in the transfer portal from Blue Blood Universities that um, would be interesting in Houston. The first of which is Severe Wheeler. Now, Severe Wheeler is a Houstonian kid. He went to Houston Christian High School, led them to a state championship. Um, he a really talented basketball team. Kids lightning quick in high school. Um, he went to Georgia, led the SEC in assists there, transferred to Kentucky, led the SEC in assists there, and is now on the move again after an injury plague season last year and like kind of getting pushed aside for Casey Wallace at Kentucky. Um, Severe, good sharp kid was recruited by Houston at a high school. The reason I don't know that he's the best fit right now, and I wouldn't put all my chips in that basket, is one, for all the things he does well, defensive guard and a pass-first guy, again, led the SEC and assist twice at different schools. He's not a tremendous shooter, right? And if you're going to pair a guy potentially with Jamal Shedd and you think Jamal Shedd's coming back, this is a guy that clearly is looking for somewhere to start based on why he's leaving Kentucky and I don't know that he's going to come and start over Jamal Shedd. And so suddenly, like, wait a second, if he's not going to start over Jamal Shedd, can you play them together? Well, that's a 5'10 and a 5'10 being played together. I mean, I guess Jamal's listed a 6'1, but he's 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 probably six feet tall, right? He looks probably pretty short, 6'1. Um, also, you have a real either way. Let's say Jamal is 6'1. You go 6'1 and 5'10 in the backcourt. Think about the Miami game that Houston just lost. You're playing 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", in the backcourt, 6'7", with Jordan Miller. Like, you can't do that with 6'1", and 5'10". And, and so suddenly it's like, well, only one gets to start. And then it's like, well, you know, do you bring him in to do that at all? So unless you had an inkling that Jamal Shoda were really gone, I don't know that you extend the offer to Severe Wheeler, as good a basketball player as he is, because I think Jamal Shed's better and I don't think the fit on the floor with the two of them is very good, considering he's not a big catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, neither one of them is a very big catch-and-shoot guy, I guess. Um, the other kid I think that is raising a lot of eyebrows in the transfer portal is Caleb Love. Now, Caleb Love is a little bit different kind of fit um, in that he's a more traditional-sized NBA guard, right? Now, Caleb, Caleb Love got a lot of flack at North Carolina uh, in – what was last year, his second season, third um, But, uh, sorry, in his third season, but the COVID season, sorry, different statistics have the COVID season kind of differently as I'm looking at different pages. Um, but in his third season, North Carolina called out a flack for being kind of a chucker or being a bad shot taker or whatever. He finished this junior season um, with less than 30% from three-point land shooting, which is stark dif- starkly different than he did in his sophomore season. You'll remember in his sophomore season, Hubert Davis led North Carolina to the national championship game with Caleb Love and Amanda Boycott, uh, Baycott down low. In that season, Caleb Love shot 36% from three, right? And so if anything, coming back to North Carolina for his junior year might have hurt his own draft stock, even though it's a 6'4 guard. Now, I will say, if you think you can get back to having a guy shoot 36% from three, he probably does fit better with Houston. The issue with that being that amongst the stuff he, people complained about him in his junior season in North Carolina was what he felt kind of like, and this is me reading message boards, listening to Isaac Shade doing Locked on uh, Tar Heels and stuff like that. So and Isaac's actually not of this opinion necessarily, but he's reporting other people's like statistical data, back it up. 
when the going got tough, he wasn't necessarily the most invested in defense. I'm telling you right now, as good an offense player as he is, that won't fly in Houston. You might as well go get a bench guy that tries hard. And, and I, I get that that's probably selling him short, and there might have been other frustrations in playing for Hubert Davis, in playing with Kyle, I want a bad season. And a season where they start off the season, preseason number one, and fell all the way to out of the tournament. I get that. I get all that. However, if you think you've got a shot to bring Mark and Shed back, I don't know that you send an offer to that guy because you have so many other young guards. If you've got two good leaders in Shed and Tremont Mark, you probably just let Caleb Love go to the side. Houston did not offer him at a high school either like they did. Houston did offer Severe at a high school, I should say. And so maybe that's more the direction they go if they had to go either one. I don't know that they go either one, though. I'm going to look at a couple guys that I need to look at. One, uh, Eric Pratt out of Texas A&M was a community college kid that went to Texas A&M um, for his sophomore season, played just a couple of games there. But he's a decent three-point shooter on crazy low attempts. He's a 6'5", 185-pound guard. Um, I would look at him. I'd want to know more about his community college experience. Find that film was really, really hard. If you got it, link it. Let me see it because I'm interested in what that young man can do. The guy I'm thinking, if you think about a one-year fix, and the reason a one-year fix here would be interesting is that in the class of 2024, you have all everything Mercy Miller coming in as a guard as well. And so you want to make sure you clear up some space and minutes for the 2024-25 season. So if you're looking for a quick fix for next season, a guy that Houston offered at a high school that was looking to play his fifth year of college somewhere is Vanderbilt's Jordan Wright. Now, Jordan Wright is listed at 6'6", 200. And I have to say that while whatever you think about Vanderbilt and their basketball program, they did pretty well in the NIT this year, considering that they did play in the NIT this year. And Jordan Wright is a pro-built guard, right? He's going to be 6'6". I think this one side had him at 200. Um, And he's like a more traditional scoring two guard on four attempts per game. He's shooting the three ball at about 31, 32%. Um, He's also getting off like six or eight driving two-point field goals per game. Um, He's a decent long defender and a big, stronger kid too at that two-guard or off-guard wing. Um, I don't know where he ends up necessarily, but I do know Houston offered him at a high school. I do know that a Vanderbilt program with – with Jerry Stackhouse be the kind of program that Samson have a lot of like high regard for the kind of kids that Stackhouse is, uh, you know, molding and, and building over there, the program that he's got going. And so I could see with Jordan Wright being in the portal, if you want to get into big 12 and play big 12 basketball, because it's the best basketball conference in America, I could see why Houston would be a natural fit, especially because the Baton Rouge, Louisiana product already talked to Samson in Houston kind of back at the early stages of this program. Right, And so I can see it being a very natural fit. Jordan writes the name to keep an eye on for sure if you start needing to pick up a big guard. A.J. Store is the other one. He's a 6'6", 200-pound kid. With a, uh, he was an all-Big East freshman last year at St. John's. Um, you know, I wonder if you can get him at all. I also wonder if he's the kind of kid that is leaving St. John's because you know he thinks he's you know, thinks his stuff doesn't stink and needs to get out of there. Um, I will say, in looking at his list of teams, that um, it does not appear that Houston offered him out of high school, and so they may know something else. I just think he's a fascinating product, and I think it's kind of rare that you see a freshman 
Big East, as far as basketball goes, is a very strong conference. And and to be transferring out as opposed to potentially going pro is, is an interesting move out of star out of store. Um, I mentioned Jordan Ryan. I'm going to go with my notes here. PJ Haggerty is my last guy picked here. Um, PJ Haggerty is a TCU guy, has been a TCU guy, is looking to transfer out. Um, did not get to play much as a freshman last season, played just a couple of games. Um, I actually cannot tell based on looking at their stuff. If there's an injury, that kind of stuff. Um, so link me that down below. If you've got it, Houston did offer him out of high school. He is six, three, a buck 75. Um, and you know, he didn't get to play a lot at TCU, but out of high school, he was a three-star kid. Um, He's from, or is this say the uh, Prosper? Sorry, Crosby, Texas. Um, and so, you know, I, I think he's the kind of guy you could see staying within the Big Twelve and coming around. And he had a lot of promise at a high school. Houston has already been interested, and he's a more traditionally built two or three in an offensive setting. And so, that's a guy that I'm keeping my eyes on as far as guys that have recently entered the portal. Um, I know the big names like Wheeler and Love, or even Kalel Ware. I guess is like a seven footer right from Oregon. Um, those may be more sexy picks or whatnot, but that's not where I'm going. I, I think I'm sticking more with the Haggerty's or Jordan Wright's of the world for guys that fit with what Houston's doing very, very well. If you got, excuse me, if you got other names or thoughts, the names I've got, find me at painswith 512 P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all of your social media handles. We have to talk all things Cougs, all things Transfer Portal, whatever news you got, it's news I'd like to hear. Tomorrow, I'd like to get back into more football talk. This Jamal Shed news just kind of, Took us all by surprise and kind of sparked a basketball episode for sure. So make sure you subscribe to Locked on Cougs for the latest on all things Houston Cougars each and every day. So make sure you subscribe down below. Thank you all so much for being Locked on Cougs, your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen today, I'm going to recommend Locked on College Basketball because Andy and Isaac are doing a great job covering the March Madness tournament. And as they lead up to the Final Four, they're going each and every day with different tidbits of the, about the Final Four t- uh, along the way. So make sure you go give them a listen as well. Thank you all so much for listening. Locked on Kooks, the Prime Red Locked on Podcast Network. That means your team every day.